0: morning, everyone. Good to see you today. If you're visiting with us uh, today, welcome. Glad you're here. It's uh, so much uh, emphasis is all, every week is always put on uh, welcome time, but I just wanted to make sure today that I'm welcoming uh, new people as well as the people that are online. Thank you for our, our tech uh, people that are able to you know, kind of get this on a medium that is thrown out to YouTube so we can watch it during the week, and those that are unable to make it for the week uh, can watch it as well. It's so good to have that ability to do that. Um, we're in our uh, fifth and final um, message on the bones. So, uh, we've been doing this series on the body of Christ. As you, if you've been here, you know that. Uh, Just talking about how vital it is to have a good set of bones as the church. And we talk about the body of Christ, we're talking about you guys. If you are here today and are a child of God, you are part of the body uh, of Christ. Christ being the head, us being the fingers and toes and everything in between. So, um, yeah, today we're going to talk about holiness. Holiness. And I I really believe that God may say a few things today that gives you maybe a a different understanding of what holiness is, or maybe something different than what you grew up and know about holiness. Um, But if nothing else, maybe even just a little clearer understanding of what holiness is. Um, Last week, we really went through the whole idea of having spiritual gifts. If you're in the body of Christ, if you are uh, a child of God, then you have been given uh, some type of a spiritual gift. In other words, a gift that is to be used to um, edify the body or to build up the body. And uh, so this week, as we cruise into holiness and we talk about holiness, I, I pray that you'll, you'll understand how crucial that holiness is to the body of Christ. Um, when holy is mentioned what comes to your mind just take a second if you would when when somebody says something is holy or or just when the word is mentioned what comes to your mind is it God maybe heaven maybe a, a church building a holy man uh, type of music or a, a, an approach to singing holy music Maybe stained glass windows you think of as being holy. Uh, A certain type of dress or clothing, maybe, uh, for you is what comes to mind. But do you ever wonder what makes something holy? What makes something holy? If you have all these ideas in your head, or maybe just grew up just thinking these things, how did that thing get to be holy? That's what we're going to talk about today. Is being holy just something for God and his angels? That was a question I kind of wanted to pose this morning because a lot of times when we think about God, of course we think about him being holy. But then we also use the term a lot about holy angels. But is that the limit? Is, is that what holiness is restricted to? Or maybe holiness is something that you, you don't really get or it's kind of like a spiritual gift. Some people get holiness and others don't get holiness. Or maybe the guy sitting next to me today in church has a little more holiness than I do. Is that the way you kind of perceive holiness and think about it? Well, like I said, I, I hope that this morning as we look to the Word, we get a better understanding of what holiness is and then how we can apply it or use it in our lives as part of the body of Christ. So before we do that, I think we're going to need some prayer. So let's go to the Lord uh, for, in prayer, please. Lord, thank you, um, first of all, that you are holy. And as we learn about that today, Lord, uh, may you convey to us our role in that what you've called us to do. Lord, um, I'd ask that you would take away all the false ideas that we have of holiness and replace them with what your word says about them. So Lord, uh, just guide us. We need your spirit today to teach us. Please do that as we walk through your words. Uh, We just thank you and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so when we use the word holy, the Bible's usage of that word is primarily has to do with God separating something from the world to be used for himself. So think about that for a second. It's God separating from the world which he chooses to devote to himself. So we, we probably read the word holy a lot when we cruise through our Bibles and we have an understanding of it a little bit, but that's kind of how the Bible uses it most. But the scriptures also point to God's holiness and the idea that he is separate from all else. And that's really what the word holy means, is to be separate. or We would use the word different or unlike anything else. That's what the word holy means. So when we talk about God separating things, he's separating things from the world, world worldview, world thoughts, world's thinking, unto himself to be used for his purposes, for his glory. So, first of all, when we look at God as being holy, he's not like anything else. There are things about God that we could never be. Do you believe that today? There are things about God that we could never be. One of them, um, well, let's, let's say this first. Isaiah 55, 9. The scriptures tell us, For as the heavens are higher than earth, so are my ways. Higher than your ways. And this is God speaking through Isaiah and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we learn a great deal about God's holiness in the scriptures, and one of those things is glory. When we talk about holiness, we often talk about God's glory, but what exactly is that? God's glory describes his unique excellence, splendor, and majesty. So when we think of glo- uh, God's glory, it is nowhere near like man's glory. In fact, we are not like God at all in this respect. Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned and what? Fall short of God's glory. So we, don't, we miss the mark when it comes to glory. We're, we are not like him. He is all by himself, separated unto himself. He alone is holy in glory. God is holy or separate from us in that he is immutable. In other words, he cannot change. 1 Samuel 15 says, And also the strength of Israel, meaning God, will not lie nor relent, for he is not man that he should relent. Relent just meaning change his mind. God is not like us. We often say one thing and then we do the other, don't we? That's mankind. God is separate or holy in a way that he never changes his mind. He is immutable. God is also omnipotent, meaning he is all-powerful, almighty, uh, Jeremiah 32, uh, thirty-two twenty-seven says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? We are not like God. There are many things we wish we had the power or the ability to fix, isn't there? There are things that we just can't do, but only God can. So God is holy in that respect. He's also holy in his omnipresence. In other words, he is everywhere. Deuteronomy 4.39 says this, Therefore know this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord himself is God in heaven, above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. There is no other one that is holy in this respect like God. God is in the heavens and on the earth at the same time. He is omnipresent. Don't you wish you could be like that? two places at one time, especially when you got kids, you know? It'd be great, wouldn't it? We are not like him. We are limited to being in one location and at one time. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. He is ignorant of nothing and has never learned anything new. That one, as I was studying this week, just really kind of, you know, it's one of those... You know, things, you know, we're always learning, aren't we? We're always growing and and learning new things. God, everything that God knows now, he always knew. Psalm 139, 1 through 4 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. God knows everything. We are not like God in this way. We are, he alone is separate. He alone is holy. Um, did you always know that God was all-knowing? I know this is gonna take a second. Did you always know that God was all-knowing? So then, we're not like him. <laughs> he always knows what he knows, right? I know, I'm just trying to mess with your heads this morning. It keeps you from dozing off. So God is holy because he is self-existent. He is independent. He needs no other beings and exists to and for and by himself. He has no cause unlike us. He is un created Revelation 4:11 says you are worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created unlike us God has no needs yet we exist because he willed it he wanted it he wanted to create He wanted to create you and me. And you think about that. He didn't need us. He doesn't need us to exist. But yet, he wanted us, and he created us. God is infinite. God is not bound by anything. No limit can be applied to God. Job 11, uh, 7 uh, through 9, um, this is one of Job's friends, uh kind of rebuking him a little bit because if you know the story of job job went through an awful lot of tragedies in his life lost family and livestock and everything that he had and his body was all filled with boils and sores and everything and now we got a guy's friend sitting next to his bedside basically telling him he needs to quit sinning and all this stuff of ha- <laughs> all this stuff will quit happening but that's not really what is going on here But God uses this uh, friend to say these words. Can you search out the deep things of God? He's talking to Job. Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. God is holy. He is separate from us. God is holy because he is not like us, or better said, we are not like him. Uh, A few weeks ago when we were talking about our view of God had to be high and lifted up, right? Him on a throne, we have to have that kind of view of God. Well, this just backs that up, and this is just a few of God's holy attributes, that we are not like him. He is holy, separate from us. Second of all, when we talk about the word holy, God makes things holy, or he decides or wills things to be separate unto himself. So he separates from the world, which he chooses to devote to himself. When the Bible speaks of the world, it's talking about the fallen way of mankind. We talk about this often. So when I use the term world, the Bible uses the term world, it's really the world is... Uh, mankind trying to live an existence without God as if he doesn't exist that's what we talk about when we say the world so if any of you guys um, I always tell you guys this I was a late bloomer coming to know the Lord but I know the difference I know what it's like to live in the world without him and I I know what it's like to live in the world with him and so when we talk about the world it's what we're talking about. So, but God, in His great mercy, desires to redeem us, to to get us back, um, to regain His possession that have been lost to sin. So, even though the world doesn't acknowledge Him, doesn't uh, want to know Him, tries to exist without Him, God is constantly trying to get them back trying to redeem them back. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. And this redeeming can be seen in the life of a, nam, a, a man named Abram. So if you know your Bible, go to uh, Genesis 12, 1. You know Abram and how God used him. Uh, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse you, uh, him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God commands Abram. He says, get out. Get out of your land. He was separating Abram from the world. He was asking him to leave everything he knew, leave his country leave his family, leave his possessions. God says, I'm going to separate you and I'm going to do great things through you. And that's Abram's life. God is separating a people or beginning a people unto himself. And we know those people as being uh, what we would call the Israelites. And then later on, once they housed in Jerusalem, we called them Jews. As God's redemptive plan unfolded throughout the Old Testament, then God gives the law, or God's law revealed through Moses. This contained aspects of morality, ceremonial, and civil regulations. And if you've been through your Old Testament, you know that God gave the law to man's to live by. That was part of his plan, part of his pulling a people holy separated them out from the rest of the world. He gave them a different set of rules to live by. This is something that they would for, was for their own good, obviously. There were some things for health that was involved in that, general um, practical, practical things that they would be doing that would keep them healthy and separate from the world. But more than anything, God was showing the people of Israel that he was calling a people out of the world to be holy, to be... Holy didn't make them perfect. And I think that's one of the confusions we get with holy, that when we talk about the word holy, we think of it as perfection. That is not necessarily holiness. Holiness is something that God has called out, especially in the the idea of people. called them out of the world and unto himself, because he has a purpose for them. So um, the word holy became associated with the character of God's people. Uh, Deuteronomy 7, 6 says this, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. You can see right there, if I was to use the word separate right there, for you are a separate people to the Lord your God would make more sense, right? But the... THE BIBLE USES THE WORD HOLY, WHICH REALLY JUST MEANS SEPARATED OR SEPARATE. THE LORD YOUR GOD HAS CHOSEN YOU TO BE A PEOPLE FOR HIMSELF, A SPECIAL TREASURE ABOVE ALL THE PEOPLE ON THE FACE OF THE EARTH. SO THEN WE TRANSFER INTO THE NEW TESTAMENT, AND GOD'S SOVEREIGNTY um, PAYS THE PRICE OF REDEMPTION BY SENDING JESUS INTO THE WORLD. Remember, God's plan the whole time was to create a people separate unto himself. And he was doing that through the uh, Israelites. And then he finally, the time comes, he sends Jesus. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons God's redeemed people then became known as saints holy ones that's all the word saint means so if you're here today and you received your adoption papers if you are a child of God then you are a saint and you go wow I don't really feel like a saint that's probably because you have the wrong idea what a saint is a saint is a holy one. A saint is one who is called into the family of God and called out of the world. So we don't want to get a saint as something, sainthood is something that I could maybe never achieve. If you've received Christ as your Savior, if you trust and put your faith and trust in him and his uh, redemption for us on the cross or his payment on the cross, then you are a saint yourself. So if our church is full of all believers, then uh, we're full of saints. You're holy ones. You've been called apart from the world with a purpose. A saint is a holy one, a bought and paid child of God, a called out to be separate from the world child of God. That's what you are if you are a child of God. Which brings us to the expectations of a child, of God. First Peter. We're going to be in Peter a little bit here in the first letter of Peter. Um, great, great letter. If you want to read it when you go home this week, read the whole entire letter of First Peter. It'll help even explain some things that I, I'm not going to have time for today. But listen to what Peter says in verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, speaking of God, In the same way that he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So the scriptures are telling us that in the same way that God is holy, we are to be holy as well. But remember, there's certain things, that's why I explained some of those attributes of God up front, is there are certain things we cannot be like God in. We are not all-knowing. We're not all powerful. Those things we cannot be holy in. But Peter kind of clarifies for us a little bit. He says, be holy in the same way that God is holy in all of your conduct, the way we present ourselves in this life. Um, remember, when we said that God was separate, no one's like him, but he does call us out of the world. That's what I guess the main point of today for me is to try to transfer to you, is that getting born again, trusting Jesus as your Savior, isn't just like this ticket, this free ride to eternity in the sense that there's nothing left to do. We have a a Savior to imitate. We have a God to imitate. And we're called to be holy as he is holiness. So holiness is when a holy one or a saint, us, is conducting themselves in a manner characterized by God's moral character, his righteousness, and when we conform to his will. All of those things are counter to what the world does. Now remember, I said the world is nothing more than trying to live a life without God. Us called as holy ones, as saints, we're we're into the family of God. We have a conduct now that is supposed to imitate that of God. So that's how we're supposed to be holy, as he is holy. But before we go further, I want everybody in the room to ask yourself this question. Am I a saint? Am I a holy one? Am I called out from the world? Am I a bought and paid child of God? Bought and paid for. Is that you today? Now be honest. Is that you? Are you called out to be separate from the world, child of God? Galatians 3.26 says this, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So the qualifier to be a child of God is faith in Jesus Christ. If you're not yet a child of God, then you've not, that means you have not yet placed your faith in the redeeming work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Understanding that um, is a big part of the Christian life. Christian life is not coming to a church. Remember when I was talking to about things about what do you consider things to be holy? Sometimes we get a little mixed up on what is holy. If I all of a sudden if I walk into a holy building, I become holy somehow. That I so, all, there's some kind of fairy dust that comes down and makes me okay. Well, the qualifier in Galatians just said that in, you know the only way that we can um, Become a child of God is through our faith in Jesus Christ and faith in his redeeming work. So if you are not yet a child of God, then that means the sin that we commit, all of us commit as people, is still on our account. Because remember what redeem means, means that somebody paid the price to get you out of the bondage that you were in. And this bondage that the Bible talks about is sin, and sin binds us or um, has us in prison. We're a slave to sin. And if that is you today, and you've never put your faith in Christ, may I encourage you to do so. It's like, what are you waiting for kind of thing. Why do you want to live a life of bondage in sin Penalty for your sin not yet paid when you can have that. Jesus, remember, paid that penalty, and all we have to do is have faith in him. So not being a child of God is pretty rotten news for this Sunday morning, to be honest with you. But the Bible is full of really good news. Romans ten nine says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You can be saved from your sins. Now, it sounds like a pretty easy thing, doesn't it? But I have conversations with people all the time about this. There's a two-part, if you want to put it that way, um, condition to salvation. First, you confess it with your mouth. In other words, you, you believe that Jesus died on the cross you believe that what he died for was the penalty of your sin. But that belief also has to be in your heart because so many times we run across people that only confess with their mouth. And never, it never gets to the heart. In other words, that when we confess with our mouth, it's almost like it just makes me feel better. That's not what the Lord is asking us to do. He is saying that if you confess with your mouth, and believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved from the penalty of your sin. Romans 10, 13, just a couple verses down says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love the idea that for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That any excuse you got that I am I've done too many bad things. I went to this place I never should have went to. I've lived my whole life without him. All these different things that we can come up with in our head that we are not worthy of being saved is wrong because the scriptures tell us for whoever calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. So if you never called on the name of the Lord, then you are not his and that's some pretty serious business today. You are not part of the body. If this is you, will you confess him today? And when we talk about confessing, it's really just an acknowledgement of what he's done. You know, it's humbly coming before him and just saying, God, I've, I finally get it. I finally see how much you love me. I finally see that you, you went to the cross and paid the sin that was due my sin. That's how much you love me. So if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, then we can be saved. He lovingly went to that cross, didn't he? Nobody forced him. Remember, one of the attributes of God's holiness was that he doesn't really even need anything. He needs nothing to exist, but yet he created he created you he created me because he wanted to but then when we fell into sin we really are saying that we didn't want him but then he said I'm not gonna leave things that way he says I'm gonna go and buy them back they sold themselves into slavery into sin I'm gonna go redeem them and he did that on the cross so well, if this is not if that is you today will you confess them today I pray you do If you are a child of God, you have been made holy or separated from the world for his purpose. So then my question and the Bible's question is, how is our conduct? So if we are separated under the Lord for his purposes, we are made holy, we're asked to be holy as he is holy in our conduct, how is our conduct? The amount of unholiness that we are exposed to these guys is, un- is unprecedented today, guys. It's the amount of billboards, the amount of TV shows, the amount of books and unholy things that we are exposed to is really unprecedented. Um, I've lived a couple years now, <laughs> and it, it was never like this when I was younger. But because of all the digital advances and TVs and satellites and websites and all this stuff, our world is just pounded with unholy things. We're exposed to so much. But as God's children, we have to guard ourselves, don't we? We have to guard ourselves against the onslaught of all the unholiness. If we don't, then as God's church, as God's holy ones, called God's called out ones, we become ineffective because that's why God's called us out. He's called us out to be different, to be separate unto the world, not like the world. So if we, if we expo- we're exposed to all this unholiness and then we just absorb all that unholiness, then we're just like the world. The world sees nothing different. Why would I ever want to go towards this God that you talk about all the time? You're just like me. So we're exposed to it a crazy amount. And the choices of all these different media I just told you is not good. Tam and I were every couple nights sit down at the TV and say, just last night we said, hey, let's watch a good movie. We never watched a movie last night. It's rough. It's hard. But I could say, ah, that's all that's on. Let's just watch it anyhow. No, because now I just expose myself, my, my eyes, my ears to unholy things. Although our choices of movies and all that isn't that great, we should never... It should not throw us in this mindset of, oh well, this is all we have to choose from. Uh, Guess I'll just listen to it, watch it, do it, this is what my friends do kind of attitude. Second Corinthians 6.16 says this, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people you see what the the plan here is is that when you become a child of God they're using the temple here as an example because the Israelites knew that God lived in the temple in their minds that this was the place the holy place where you went to pray to God where the priests would go in to get the message from God that was the image they had But in the New Testament, the Bible says that when we become believers and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God now comes and lives inside of us. We are now the temple. And the Scripture here is telling us, would we ever bring a a, a false idol or a, a, a pagan idol into the temple of God? Would we do that? No, we would not ever do that. Then, why would you and I, as the temple of God today, why would we bring these unholy things into our temple? That's what the scripture is trying to get us to understand. 2 Corinthians 7 1, just a couple verses down, it says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. In other words, perfecting, just bring it to maturity. Bring our, our holiness to maturity. In other words, don't defile ourselves with all the unholy things of the world. So how do we do this? First Peter 1.13 says this, <clears throat> Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, here's where we get our, our thought for the day, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Girding up your mind is probably not a term you've used sometime during the week this week. The idea of girding up, it really comes from New Testament, Old Testament times when they wore long robes. Especially the men even had long apparel that went all the way down to their feet. But it was restrictive. It was a way that it restricted their movement. They couldn't run in those clothing. Uh, it was difficult to move around. It hindered their walk. And so what the Bible is telling us to do this with our mind is to saying to gird up pull this thing up and what the, the the people would do they would pull up their long clothing and then tie it off and they get it above their knees and so now they could freely move and they could freely walk and run and there was no hindrance whatsoever and this is what Peter's telling us to do with our minds is to gird up our minds in other words Take all the hindrances away. Be sober in our thinking. Don't let those things come into your mind. Get, make your mind something that is not a place for the, um, a place for unholy things. But gird up your mind, he says. Unlike spiritual gifts. Um, holiness is not given to us at conversion. It's something that we do. We adapt. We learn. Um, when we talked about spiritual gifts, um, those things were given to us right away. The holiness is something that we need to learn from God. What is holy? What is unholy? And that was the reason for the law. Um, part of the reason for the law to be given to the Israelites is what they, God had to begin to teach His called out people what was right and what was wrong, what was holy, what was unholy. So holiness is a mindset, is what Peter is saying. He said it's a decision that we all need to make. And you can kind of see what, how that makes sense is that with all the onslaughts and all the attacks of the unholy things in this world, you and I have to make a decision to be Holy as he is holy. We have to make choices for our families. We have to make choices for ourselves. What are we going to allow into our home? What are we going to allow into our eyes and our ears? Those are choices that we have to make. Our minds must be prepared to make holy decisions. Like a flowing robe I wrote down, our minds must be girded up and not hindered by any unholy thing. Peter also mentions our minds are to be sober. And you can kind of take this into today's world a little bit. When you're drunk, you're out of control. When you're sober, you're more apt to be in control, right? So our mind is not to be controlled by anything other than holiness. That's the thought here. So we've got a girded up mind, some, a mind that's not hindered by any other thing, so it can move forward in the things that God wants us to move forward in. But also a self-controlled mind. And when it comes to all the things we talked about, unholiness, attacks that we have, we need sober minds. We need minds that are not hindered or controlled by anything else other than God's holiness. We struggle with our holiness, Peter says, when we conform or shape our behavior, that's what the word conform means, to our former lusts and desires, meaning what we knew and what we ran our lives by when we were in the world and only knew those things. So even though we are called out ones, we must conduct ourselves as if, um, we must not conduct ourselves as if we are still in the world. We have to look different. That was God's whole point. He was calling out holy ones unto himself, making them different, making them separate from the world. Be holy in all your conduct, God says, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Holiness is a decision and it's done with this type of a mind. Maybe you're here today and you'd be willing to admit that you're a child of God, but this is not you. In other words, Holiness is not part of your conduct. Or if it is, it's such a small part. Maybe you're willing to admit to the Lord that this is something that you struggle with, that things come into your eyes and ears that are unholy. Remember, if you're a child of God, you are the temple of the living God, and no good Israelite would ever bring a, a, um, a pagan idol into God's holy temple, but that's the picture for you and for me. Maybe you'd say, I'm not making good choices, I'm not conducting my uh, life in a way that is separate in the way that God wants me to be separate. Well, may I suggest to you today that you, you take your calling as a called out one, as a saint serious, and gird up your mind, separate yourself, make decisions. Start today. Make those decisions today. That's what God wants us to do. That's the only way we can be holy. There's another issue of the mind that can hinder us as well, and I call it—it's um, kind of my little own term—but it's called holy amnesia. Um, yeah, you're giggling because you know you you have it from time to time. Like clinical amnesia, we forget, but. Clinical amnesia in most cases um, can be restored by bringing a thought back to the mind. In other words, remember something, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, yeah, I get it, I, I, I remember now. Holy amnesia for us, 1 Peter 1.17 says, and if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout time of your stay here in fear. I'll just paraphrase that really quick for you. He says, if you have called on the Lord for salvation here, then you are a holy one. But the Father who gave you, who is, who gave you the adoption papers to be his child judges according to each one's work. And that the warning is conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, in holy respect. That's what that word fear here means, is that we have to have a holy respect, a holy fear of God as our Father, as he has called us out. And this is not the kind of judgment that casts you into hell if you screw up. If you are one of God's children, that's a done deal. Jesus paid that price, That's over for you. Are you not under the judgment of your own sin anymore? What this is talking about, now that you are a called out one, God sees it. And he's going to put that in the balance throughout our time here. Our conduct here on earth should be our, let's put it this way, should be our conduct, should be a healthy, reverential fear of God. Does it make sense? In other words, we're not to be scared of God in the sense that, man, I better not do anything when I walk out of the church today, or he's gonna zap me with some kind of lightning bolt. That's not what we're... That's not what the Bible's telling here. It's just a healthy respect for our Heavenly Father in fear throughout our time here. First Peter 1, 18 says this, knowing that you are not redeemed, with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. So the first thing we needed to remember that God is our judge as his children, but then also we need to be reminded of the cost of our redemption. The scriptures tell us there that he paid the price to release us from the bondage of sin, and that, that wasn't paid with, like, silver and gold or amount of money that, you know, something that we could get our heads around. We could maybe understand even something like as big as a trillion dollars. We could maybe, oh, yeah, I can figure that out. No, this was something that was almost uncomprehendable in the sense that Jesus paid the price. God's only son... Paid the price, And so as we go about our time here on earth, there's two things that we have to keep reminding ourselves is that God sees everything. And the second thing is that we cannot forget the price that Jesus has paid to set us free. Why would we go back into the thing or continue in the thing that he set us free from? So holiness means to be separated, holy needs to be, means to be separated, holiness is our conduct as children of God. So you wonder, why did God do that? Why did God who needs nothing, why did he, why did he pay this price, such a high price? John 3.16 always tells that story. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's almost unbelievable that God did that for you and for me. So how do you get rid of your holy amnesia? Remember what he's done and what he's paid. So as we conclude, band's gonna come up. We're gonna take communion today. And communion is a, a, so much about remembering and remembering this very thing, remembering the price that Jesus paid to set us free. So why would we continue in unholiness, remembering the price he's paid? God forbid that we should do that. So as we go about our time of communion here, I'm gonna ask everyone to think that through. Think about maybe just your past week, your past month. Is there something in our conduct throughout our lives that can be removed? Is there some unholy things in the temple of God? That's really the question. Am I unholy in my conduct? In a minute, we're going to get up. We're going to grab the elements. I'll ask you to grab one of each, bring them back to your seat, and think about that very thing. Think about, is there something that I've allowed into my temple that shouldn't be there, that defiles the temple? And then just beg God to keep it out of the temple. Tell them you're willing to get rid of it, but you need the help to keep it out. And how do we do that? Peter told us, it's up here. We need to gird up our minds, we need to be smart, we need to be sober about the things we're allowing into into our hearts and into our minds. So as the band plays, go grab the elements, come back to your seat, talk to the Lord, and then we'll take together at the very end um, the Lord's table or communion. So let's do that as a day of place. To come under the realization that we're far from perfect, aren't we? Uh, I saw the band just struggle just now. (laughs) Obviously, something was off with timing or something, but it just really helped me understand how much we need them in every single thing. Our best efforts sometime are a mess, aren't they? Well, as we take communion today, communion meaning together as a church in relationship with the Lord as the head of the, the body, this sacrifice that we talk about needs to be remembered. Again, this my term, holy amnesia is a real thing. At least it is for me. what so about our days or weeks? We forget. We forget about the great sacrifice that it took to redeem us. In Luke 22, sorry, in verse 19, it says, and he took the bread gave thanks and broke it, gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance. There's our word, remembrance of me. This is Jesus sitting at what we would call the Last Supper, having communion with the people that he was about ready to go die for. He knew that we'd have holy amnesia. He knew that. So this ordinance that we do, this Lord's table, this communion that we have together is to remember. First of all, the broken body. That's what's really represented here by a piece of bread. But that's what he did that night. He broke bread and passed it around, just like his body was going to be broken for so many of us. But then also he said, likewise, he also took the cup and after the supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. In other words, holy, pure, sinless blood could be the only sacrifice. It would be sufficient to redeem us, to save us from our sin. No man could die, so God himself had to come in the flesh and die in our place. That's worth remembering. So as we do that today, I'm going to pray, and then when i have done praying, then let's take together. Lord, thank you for your broken body. It's hard to think about that, Lord, the suffering you had to go through to redeem me to pay for my sin but you did it you did it out of love and you did it willingly Lord your blood was shed it was spilled out for me for many so Lord as we do communion today as we're gathered here as your body we do this in remembrance of your great sacrifice thank you for your great sacrifice. Amen. Let's take together. So as you leave today, I hope that you're reminded of our the call to be holy as he is holy he went to the furthest extent anybody could go that we even could be holy so as you leave today I pray that this is you, you've been reminded and that if there's a mindset that needs to be changed that you remember his great sacrifice and make that change if there's anything we can do for you as elders at the church at the journey church here anything you can do stick around talk i want to help our elders want to help they want to help us be called out people called out of the world so as you go go in peace knowing that he loves you and he cares for you all right have a good week we'll see you next week